Amen. Our sermon scripture for today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. This is after the death and the resurrection. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals, and there were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you'll please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. May all that's done in this service today do nothing other than help us to seek justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. Amen. There are a few events that take place after the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the Gospels of Matthew, Luke, and John. Before we see the moment of Pentecost, before we see the forming of the early church, before Paul writes any of the letters, Jesus appears before the disciples three more times. We know the story about how Christ appeared amongst the disciples, but Thomas was missing. And Thomas declares that he would not believe Jesus is resurrected, not truly believe that whoever the disciples might have met was actually Jesus, 
unless he could see and touch the wounds of Christ himself. And then Christ appears again and lets Thomas touch the wounds in his hands and his side so that Thomas might have the faith he needs to believe. In the Gospel of Luke, there are two disciples walking down the road to Emmaus right after the death of Jesus, and they're talking about all that has happened. And not yet knowing the news of the empty tomb, a stranger joins them. But the disciples do not recognize that the stranger is Jesus. They believe him just to be a stranger. But nonetheless, the disciples journey with the stranger Tell him about the death of Christ, so tell him about how he died. And then Jesus responds by rebuking the disciples for not understanding that the Messiah must suffer according to the prophecies. It's a pretty classic Jesus move to rebuke people. But even though this stranger rebuked them, and I don't think I would uh, do this, they urged the stranger to stay with them share a meal, they break bread, and they realize that this stranger is actually Jesus. And they think, were our hearts not burning when we talked with him on the road? And then Jesus disappears, and the disciples race back to meet the others in Jerusalem. And then in this third encounter, you'll notice echoes of that story on the road to Emmaus. The disciples are doing what they did before they met Jesus. They're fishing. They were fishermen before, and I guess they went back to being fishermen. In fact, the very first time that Simon Peter met Jesus, he was fishing. But they're not catching anything, and a stranger on the shore tells them to cast their nets onto the other side, and when they do, they get a catch so great that they're afraid that they could not even haul it in because the nets would break. And this is just like the first time Simon Peter ever met Jesus. In all of these events, one or more of the disciples did not immediately recognize Jesus. Thomas didn't believe that it was actually possible for Jesus to be resurrected and walking among them. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus did not recognize that this stranger they were face to face with is their Lord and Savior. And Simon Peter and the disciples do not recognize that the stranger telling them where to cast their nets is in fact the very first person to ever tell them to fish for men. It's not until there is an echo of their past that these memories of Christ remind them of who Christ is and they see Christ fully. Thomas is given proof of the crucifixion by touching Christ's wounds. The two disciples surely recalled the Last Supper as they broke bread with that stranger. And Simon Peter and the disciples relived that first moment of their calling. Now before his death, Christ said to the disciples that in the end times the world would be divided into sheep and goats and the sheep would inherit heaven. And Christ says that the sheep fed him when he was hungry, cured him when he was sick, and visited him when he was in prison. And the sheep respond, when did we ever feed you or visit you or cure you? And Christ responds that whatever good is done for the stranger, 
and the hungry and the poor and the destitute and the infirm and imprisoned is done for Jesus. It's such a powerful piece of scripture because it implicates us in the body of Christ. Every encounter we make with somebody is an encounter with Jesus. There's divine purpose in every interaction we have with one another. And these events where Jesus appears to the disciples after his death and resurrection are examples of Jesus being the stranger. The man Thomas believed could not possibly be Jesus was, in fact, Jesus. The stranger on the road to Emmaus and the stranger telling the disciples where to cast their nets these strangers are Jesus. But it's only by interacting with the stranger, by touching his flesh, by sharing food together, by listening to his words, that they know that the stranger is actually Christ. After the death and the resurrection, where is Jesus? I think these examples certainly illustrate that Jesus is among us. Jesus is among the stranger, and it certainly means that Jesus is where the hungry and the dispossessed and the infirm and the imprisoned are. Places that take us out of our comfort that we don't like to frequent or often we don't feel comfortable being. James Cone in the late 1960s wrote that the coming of Jesus, the coming of Christ, means a denial of what we thought we were. Now, Cohn is writing about concepts of race, and he's writing in the affirmation that Christ could be black, and God willingly identifies himself with black folks, and Christians have to deny their preconceived conceptions of who they think Christ is or looks like. Christ isn't just a white person that only cares about whiteness. And this was quite the scandal in 1969. And depending on who you talk to today, it's still quite the scandal. And his constant reframe in his first book is that Christ is in the black ghettos, that the persecution of Christ on the cross mirrors the persecution of black folks on the lynching trees. And now it's not that Christ is only there. It's not that we only and exclusively have to deny Christ being white to know Christ or say that Christ is only black, but it is that if we think we know exactly what Christ looks like, if we think Christ will only be found among ourselves, among people who look and think and talk and live the same lives we do, we will never truly and fully know who Christ is because Christ is found in the stranger. Because Christ is more than ourselves alone. Christ and the body of Christ does not look like just one thing. And in this last interaction, when Jesus is recognized, when they look upon the stranger and know that it is Christ. Jesus tells the disciples 
that if they truly love him, they need to feed his sheep. This is much like when he tells the disciples to love one another as he loved them. He tells them again and again that if they truly love him, they will care for his people. It's an echo of what we've heard before. Whenever you feed the hungry, you've cared for Jesus. Whenever you have visited the imprisoned, you have cared for Jesus. Whenever you heal the infirm, whenever you love God's people, you have loved Jesus. And oftentimes that means getting out of comfort zones. And it's a mandate. If you love me, you will feed my sheep. The resurrected Christ is among us and certainly will be found among us in part. But my question to you is where will you find Jesus? Jesus.